0: Welcome to the OverScreen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer.
1: And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture.
0: And welcome in. Today we're doing a little bit of a throwback episode. Not really a very old movie, but one that came out about a year ago. And that is Luca, a Pixar film, which we, when that came out, we just didn't get around to reviewing it. I think we had a bunch of other stuff that was out around that time. Theaters were starting to kind of reopen in terms of the pandemic and stuff last summer. So we had a bunch of movies that we were covering and we just didn't get around to Luca. So we're going to talk about Luca this week.
1: Yes, I'm glad I watched this, though, because oddly enough, this movie had come up multiple times around the Oscars. People were talking to me about this movie, and then one guy I work with, his kids love this movie, and he brought it up to me a couple weeks ago. So it it I didn't realize it was almost a year old, but it was strange how it had naturally come up in conversation leading up to this.
0: And I feel like it got a lot of buzz when it first came out, but then yeah. even though it was nominated for, I think it was nominated for best animated feature. At it, the was, Oscars, it was. It um, was. And so the fact that it didn't really get a ton of buzz leading up to that was kind of surprising. I think Encanto kind yeah. of overtook it later in the Ugh, year for every time. whatever reason. So <laughs> Luca doesn't Lynn have Manwell a catchy, is attached to it yeah, That's really yeah. all you need. No catchy songs in Luca. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll get to that in just a few. But first, we have some news items. First up, Ezra Miller. Oh, uh, what are you doing, my man? Uh, he's, well, they. He, yeah, there they. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, he. Okay. They are in Hawaii right now, and we talked a couple weeks ago that they had gotten arrested a couple times already.
1: Couple times already. Just to they, clarify,
0: they've gotten arrested for the second time this year. Uh, earlier this week, so they were arrested for second degree assault. On Tuesday, following an incident at a private residence in Hawaii, uh, police determined that Ezra Miller became irate after being asked to leave and reportedly threw a chair, striking a 26-year-old female on the forehead, resulting in a cut that was about a half an inch, according to a news release. I mean, so.
1: that is such a Bobby Knight move. <laughs> Throwback, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, Bobby Knight, IU. you. The golden age. I wasn't actually, I think I was a baby or not born yet when that happened. Um, but I don't understand what's going on. You're in Hawaii. You have plenty of money. I wonder if it's a drinking issue, but I could be wrong. But it seems like every time we've talked about Ezra Miller, they have been in a bar or a bar like <laughs> setting.
0: Yeah, that's the case. It seems like they're not doing super well in Hawaii because last no. month they were arrested again and they were charged with disorderly conduct and harassment at a bar. It's um, wild. And of course they're in Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of Dumbledore right now and they will also be in The Flash which is supposed to be out next summer. So Yeah,
1: and that's not I mean that's not good press and stuff to get and it's no. not good when you're headlining these big movies like the Harry Potter franchise or Marvel stuff. Oh, wait, The Flash is DC?
0: The Flash is DC. So D-
1: I actually knew that. <laughs> wow. So, okay. Wow. Cool.
0: Ezra-, Ezra Miller not having a great time in Hawaii. Yes. Yeah. So. Thoughts and
1: prayers, buddy. Um, yeah. Well, yes. in other happier news, Aaron Paul and his wife, Lauren Par- Parsekian Paul, had their second child, a boy named Ryden. Apparently this happened a month ago, but they just announced it today. And they asked Brian Cranston to be his godfather. And I thought that was adorable. And for all of those Breaking Bad fans such as myself, I just thought what a lovely, like a lovely way to see how their relationship bloomed. And they became such good friends and they developed like a liquor line together. And now brian cranston is a godfather
0: it's cool that they've they've remained friends even after breaking Bad has ended so yeah
1: and they are they're different in age but they're actually mm-hmm. not yeah. as different as you would think because aaron paul's 42 i mean it's not like
0: it's I, not I like he's know. 22 not, and yeah, Cranston's he's not 20 and brian's in his 70s yeah. right right
1: <laughs> yeah so anyway i just thought that was a sweet story and i wanted to share
0: cool well that's all of our news items and we do have some corrections this week in our corrections corner
1: Yes. So one is a probably a real correction. The other, are just me clarifying things that I brought up last week that I said I'd follow up on. So one, we did talk last week about Everything Everywhere All at Once, and the lead is Michelle Yeoh, and I pronounced it Yao. Now, that could just be me having a weird moment and mispronouncing it, but I was watching some interviews this week with Jamie Lee Curtis and some other people from the cast, and they said Michelle Yeoh. So I am sorry if I got that wrong, but that is my correction. And then the other two things, I mentioned a book I was reading about Mr. Rogers, and I said, I don't remember the name of it whatever, in the episode. So I looked it up. It's Exactly As You Are, The Life and Faith of Mr. Rogers by Shay Tuttle. And it is good. I still haven't finished it, but I currently have four books that I'm reading, which is not normal for me. That's not, I'm not saying that to impress anybody. That means I am in a funk, a reading funk. So anyway, I am not done with it, but it is good. And then I also mentioned that I was almost done with Real Housewives of Atlanta. I'm not finished, but that's good. That I I lived a life this week, so I actually like went outside and did some things. But um, I said I can't remember if it's season 13 or 23, and I knew that was quite a big difference. So I looked it up. It is season 13. Is the current? That's the season. Hulu is always like one season behind. Um, so I don't know if it's airing right now on Bravo, but currently on Hulu they have up to season 13 of Real Housewives of Atlanta so I'm on the final season I'm loving it and it's it's interesting too Jared because it's during COVID but it's like coming out of the mask stuff not now where like hardly anyone believes in masks anymore which kind of scares me but it's it's the when we were still like Omicron hadn't really happened yet Okay. I don't even know if Delta was happening. So like people were feeling better, but there were still a lot of like restrictions on weddings and things. So it's yeah. that time period. Okay. Um, so it was kinda but like it is interesting. late
0: late summer, early fall of twenty twenty one, possibly.
1: Uh I actually think it might be twenty twenty. I think it's okay. yeah, it's twenty twenty. It's fall winter or, of twenty twenty. Okay. Right fall now. winter of twenty twenty.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, Before the holidays happened and it just blew up again. Yeah. Yes,
1: oh my gosh. Also, I never put this on Instagram. I did a poll on Instagram just to see if people were team Nini Leaks or Kendra Moore, Kenya Moore. Why did I say Kendra? Kenya Moore. And then I also put. I think both are despicable. Only three people voted, which is weird because whenever I do polls, it's higher than that. Like like pretty significantly higher. And also, everyone was team Nini and. I just want to tell people, if anyone took that poll or saw the poll that listens to this podcast, I was doing that based on season 12 behavior of Real Housewives of Atlanta. I was watching it. I was getting <laughs> enraged. And I was like, I got to put a poll on Instagram. But I realized later that you would probably have a different opinion on those two women based on what season you were on or what you knew was going on in their life right now.
0: Okay. I, I scrolled past <laughs> that poll. I have to be Jared- honest.
1: I know. I can I, see when you do it. I know you but told I me to vote it.
0: in polls, but you I don't did vote vo- in polls. You voted.
1: You okay. voted in one fairly recently, and it made me so happy.
0: Yeah, I think it I might have been the
1: bag. It was I the it was. When I was yeah. like when I was like camel or blush. But what did you go? You went camel, didn't you? I
0: think so. Yeah. Yeah, I can't of course remember, you did. So. Of course you
1: did. Well, thank yeah. you for voting. I I really didn't want to vote on it.
0: something that I had no knowledge of. So, <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't, I don't know. Real housewives, I'm not sure. So
1: Thank you. Well, I appreciate that.
0: Okay, on to recommends now. Um, I only have one recommend. It's a TV show that's getting ready to start its third season. Uh, By the time this episode is out, the first episode of season three will have aired. And that is Barry on HBO, um, starring Bill Hader. It is a dark comedy. If you haven't watched it, I would highly suggest it. I really enjoy the show. The f- started in 2018 and then the second season came out in 2019 and then covid happened so there hasn't the third season is finally coming out in 2022 um the episodes are not very long they're about 30. 30- 40 minutes roughly. Um, but Bill Hader just does a really good job in the role of Barry. I think it's cool that he's doing something that's like so different from SNL. Like it's still funny, but it's definitely more understated and serious than SNL was. Um, yeah. So I think that I just really like him as an actor and as a person. So I'm excited to, to start season three when it premieres later this week. So
1: that's great. I haven't seen that show. I think I tried to watch one episode and I. I, I kind of think it was a busy time for me or something. Like I was, okay. I got distracted and then just forgot about it, which is rare, but it's not like I don't want anyone to take offense by that. But I love Bill Hader. I think, I think I've mentioned that 1200 times on this podcast. But Jared, you came up this weekend because people always ask in my family for Eastern stuff. They're always like, Oh, how's the podcast? How's this? How's Jared? <laughs> no, for real. And we're then, chugging. yeah. But then we were, <laughs> then we were talking about, um, podcast recommendations and Ah. my cousin brent shout out brent i don't know if he listens but he knows i have a podcast um he's wonderful he started talking about do you know about this crazy story about this guy that was held hostage in in the 80s or 70s or something in indianapolis and i was like oh my gosh american hostage i knew immediately (laughs) and he said yeah how'd you know and i was like jared recommended that podcast so i have downloaded the podcast and i'm going to listen to that next i just wanted you to know so way to go
0: Great. The final episode just came out yesterday. So it's a great time because all the episodes are now out. So
1: Okay, cool. So I'm going to listen to that. So it might be my recommendation soon. And then I actually have one recommendation this week. It's for a book. I am going to finish the book today. Mark my words. It is, but it's so good, and I only have... I have less than 40 pages left, so I feel like I know what's happening here. Um, It's called The Personal Librarian. It's by Marie Benedict and Victoria Christopher Murray, and I really wanted to talk about it more because it's such a fascinating topic, and it's based on a true story. This woman was the personal librarian for J.P. Morgan, who was very, very, very wealthy. He was one of the most wealthy Americans and one of the most wealthy people in the entire world at that time. And she was his personal librarian, but she happened to be biracial. She was half black and half white. But she was so fair-skinned that she could pass for white. So J.P. Morgan never knew that she actually was biracial. And at that time, even he was a bigot. I mean, everybody pretty much around that scene in New York was a bigot against everyone. Jewish people, Italian people, Irish people. It doesn't matter. If you were not just straight up white looking, they were against you. Anyway, fascinating story. And I wouldn't say I wouldn't agree with every choice this woman makes throughout her life, at least in the book. But it is it, it is historical fiction because it's not an accurate representation of everything that happened. But it's just fascinating to think that happened and that this really did occur in real life. Um, And it's fascinating too, if anybody like me, you love librarians or libraries like you and I, Jared, or reading in general, or you have a fascination with like big tycoons and people in history and stuff, it's a great read. It was a book of the month pick, but I think I got it last year. I mean, it's not like a recent... It's not like it came out in 2022, but it's really quite good. So, highly recommend it. Again, it's called The Personal Librarian.
0: Okay, cool. That does sound interesting. So, I might have to check that out. So... Okay, on to our review of Luca, released on June eighteenth of twenty twenty-one, rated PG for language, brief violence, rude, rude humor, and some thematic elements. I never know what they mean by some thematic elements. I
1: don't either. Does that mean like
0: heavy stuff, or you know, I don't don't know, like
1: emotional content? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I think they probably put that more for kids if it's something that like might be a topic you may or may not have discussed with them yet, like grandparents dying. Like maybe Mm -hmm. some children don't have grandparents that they're close to. So they I don't know. Um, I laughed, though, at rude humor because I just (laughs) I just thought I I guess that's a a brand of humor. That's a style. But I thought that was funny. And I also thought, okay, they should have put that in everything everywhere all at once for the the butt toys
0: yeah yep so yeah. i would just googled it thematic elements uh is a term used by the mpaa and other okay. film ratings boards to highlight elements of a film that do not fit into the traditional categories such as violence sex drug use nudity and language but may also involve some degree of objectionable content could be wow. something in the plot something to do with emotional effect a character things mm-hmm. like that so that's oh Yes. Jared,
1: I just, you made me think of something, one of the words you said. I don't mean to make this podcast a the personal librarian book <laughs> podcast, but <laughs> you said a word and I was like, oh, um, I, I love reading because it exposes me to new words and stuff. But it's rare that I find a word that is so weird looking that I can't even like sound it out, like verbally, out loud, try to sound it out. And in that book, a ton of time, to- I mean, I'm talking like at least 20 times in the book, the word Incunabulum came up, and I had to ask my father this weekend. I was like, "What is this word, and how do you say it?" And I looked it up. It's actually it references now. I now I have to actually give you the specific definition, but um, it's referencing like she had to go find books for jp morgan (laughs) that were like old and she would buy those because he wanted a collection of books like nobody else had like especially older stuff anyway incunabulum is an early printed book especially one printed before 1501 so she would go around she'd be like i'm just looking for this this random incunabula and then incunabulum is the plural um but, or, the excuse author me, discovered
0: that word and said, I'm going <laughs> to run with this. That's what
1: I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, it was so many times. Sorry, the plural is incunabula the singular is in cannabulum. anyway crazy word I wanted to share that oh the women too who wrote the book one is white and one is black and they are both extremely smart very educated women um one I forget I think it's like NYU and Brown University or something like that either way they have like bomb degrees they're amazing so they're, now this has concluded our portion of the personal librarian podcast.
0: <laughs> we called back to it will we call back to it in 20 minutes <laughs> maybe keep no, listening no probably not Find out. and i did yeah. look
1: up the release date it was june 29th 2021
0: okay cuz i was going to fact check okay. it later
1: yeah i might as well okay. just check it now so i don't have to correct it next week
0: Man, this came out a week and a half after Luca. So uh,
1: What? Wow. Yeah. Good segue. Very <laughs> nice. Tell me more about Luca.
0: Uh, Luca's runtime is an hour and 35 minutes or an hour and 40 minutes, depending on what you look at. I don't know why. Like, how hard is it to figure out the runtime? Just I don't sit know. there with a stopwatch, hit start when it starts, hit stop yeah. when the credits end that's your runtime. Um Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb scores IMDb it's a 7.5 out of 10 pretty good but definitely not the highest rated Pixar movie in fact I would say that's pretty low for a Pixar movie 7.5 out of 10 normally those get mm-hmm. in the 8, 8.5 even sometimes 9 ranges uh, Critics is a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes audience 86% so both groups are, pr- are liking it pretty well um, and then box office wise it went straight to Disney Plus when it came out just like Soul did the team at Pixar they've made their qual known about how they're not really happy with a lot of their movies going straight to Disney+. Plus. Turning Red also did that a couple of months ago. Lightyear is going to be in theaters, but I know that's been something... It's been interesting to read about that, that the Pixar crew is just like, why do these keep going just straight to Disney+, Plus? why are you not releasing them in theaters? Because we would like yeah. a theatrical release, because um, it makes right. it feel more important than just dropping it on the streaming service. So, right. um, And then worldwide, it did make $49 million. So they did release it in other countries, and it did pretty well uh, in those release areas. So, the synopsis on the Italian Riviera, an unlikely but strong friendship grows between a human being and a sea monster disguised as a human. We have some critics reviews now first we have tim grierson of screen international who says less ambitious than most of the studios films luca instead projects plenty of warmth specifically in its study of identity bigotry and the challenges young people face when navigating their anxiety induced entry into adulthood
1: wow ain't that the truth
0: Next up is Wendy Eide of The Observer, who says, while Luca may lack some of the dizzying inventiveness that marks out top tier Pixar, it's packed to the gills with charm. Get it, the gills, because one character is a sea creature. So uh,
1: I'm so embarrassed to admit I did not catch that the first time. <laughs> oh, And then finally,
0: James Berardinelli of Real Views. He hasn't he been so on did. here in a while, so he had he to He hasn't. I've been
1: missing him.
0: Yeah, I don't know what James, has James not been reviewing movies recently? I'm not sure. Oh, no. so. Well,
1: sometimes I don't pick him because I feel like we should show that we, co- other people review movies. Have
0: other critics, yeah. Right, But James right. watched this and said, it's generic and ordinary, and although it contains sufficient material to engage children, its ability to hold the attention of older viewers is less sure.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: I would agree with that a little bit. We'll talk about that more a I was going to, I was going to
1: pose the question to you. I had that later in one of my little bullet points because <laughs> I did wonder if you felt that way too.
0: And this movie is directed by Enrico Casarosa, who was born in Italy, nominated for two Oscars one for Luca, of course, earlier this year for Best Animated Feature Film, and one for Best Short Film for La Luna, which I think I remember when that came out. I feel like that was a few years ago, possibly. I'll have to look. Yeah. Um, he's also worked on Cars, Robots, and The Incredibles 2. Doesn't have any upcoming projects listed. So, but. Sweet. Uh, did direct this movie and Pixar likes to kind of promote from within when they do directing of things. So, um, this was his chance to direct this and it, and it makes sense since he was born in Italy and this movie's set in Italy. So, and now we'll take a quick break on the silver screen podcast and we'll come back. We'll talk about the cast and our likes and dislikes for Luca. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about Luca, the Pixar movie that released last year. Also, I did do some research there and found out that La Luna was a short film that Disney did. Um, oh, and it yeah. came out in 2011, and it was before the movie Brave when that was in theaters. So,
1: Oh, yes. Okay. Yep. That so, sounds familiar.
0: That was a short film before. But I knew I had heard of that before. So now on to the cast for Luna or Luca. Sorry, not Luna. <laughs> Two things are very similarly titled. First, we have Jacob Tremblay, who plays the lead character of Luca.
1: Yes, and also happy to report these are all younger people. There are no crush alerts. (laughs) Jacob Tremblay (laughs) plays Luca Paguro. He is a Canadian actor best known for Room, Wonder, and The Book of Henry. He has many upcoming projects, but one that is highly anticipated is The Little Mermaid. That's coming out soon.
0: When is that coming out? It's like- I
1: don't know. I mean, because <laughs> they've made multiple movies. Like, they they filmed a Little Mermaid version when I lived in Savannah. Okay. Like, they like I was the accountant at the hotel where they stayed. Okay. For real. So. And it wasn't these people, and it wasn't this version that's coming out. So anyway, true. <laughs> that's a true story. Ask the other people. Okay. Jack Dylan Glazer plays Alberto Scorfano. He is an American actor from Los Angeles who played Eddie in It... And also It Chapter 2. And he also starred in the movie Shazam! He has several (laughs) upcoming projects, including Dreamin' Wild and Downtown Owl.
0: Ooh, is Downtown Owl about an owl that lives in the city? I'm hoping
1: it is. That sounds really cute. It sounds like a
0: cute little animated movie, like, you know, Downtown (laughs) Owl. Watch it be something
1: that's, like, about a mom fighting for custody of her kids, and there's some, like, drug lord. I mean, I'm basically saying the plot of Moonlight, but you know what I'm saying. Anyway, (laughs) um, not making light of those things. Uh, Anyway, moving on to Emma Berman. She plays Julia Marcovaldo. She is originally from San Francisco, and she has four acting credits so far. She is known for the short Dear Mom. And then there's a Netflix one hour. I called this a short because I couldn't tell, but it's only an hour, so I'm guessing they don't call it a film. But it's called Go Go Corey Carson, and she does not have any upcoming projects listed yet. And this movie has an all-star cast. Uh, I don't want to butcher these names, but you will recognize quite a few of them. This movie is also starring Maya Rudolph, Jim Gaffigan, Marco Baricelli, Sandy Martin, Giancomo Giannotti, and Sasha Baron Cohen.
0: Very nice. Also, I looked up downtown Owl. It is not about a owl. It is based off of a book, which is set in Owl, North Dakota, and follows three residents whose lives are upended by a whiteout blizzard. So, that's that's not nearly as lighthearted as an owl who lives in the city. So,
1: I'm also laughing because Jared and I can chat each other during the show. And he said, Jacob is 15, so I would have had to stop you on the crush alert for sure.
0: <laughs> would have been getting into inappropriate territory there. Uh,
1: okay, I did on... have a huge crush when I was a kid on Aladdin. Like, an un- okay. unhealthy crush. Not the not the actor. The animated man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the character of Aladdin.
1: Yes. Like, so this guy. DM me. Everyone message me if you know what I'm talking about and if you had that same problem. I also have a crush on Flynn Rider
0: from, okay, from Rapunzel. Oh, oh yeah. my God.
1: Or, yeah, Tangled, Sorry. <laughs> Rapunzel's in that. Anyway, yeah, unhealthy, weird crush on an animated character. Yes.
0: Okay, Here good I to am. know. So uh, some likes and dislikes for Luca. First up, it it's very uplifting, which is nice. Most Pixar movies are, or at least in some way, try to yeah. have a storyline that kind of ends on a positive note if it can. Um, yes. And this movie is very, it's very lighthearted. It's definitely not as serious as, like, Soul, or Inside mm-hmm. Out, or something like yeah. that. It's just following two boys and their friend throughout the, you know, like Italian seaside while they're kind of competing in this little bicycle competition. Um, but it's a, it is a cute movie and it's pretty, pretty lighthearted throughout.
1: Yeah, and I just think some movies, especially Pixar, they're heavier than others. Like they'll deal. Mm-hmm. Like I thought. Um, what did we cover? Why can't I think of it? It was one word. It was a U word. Onward. It was Uh, an O word. Oh, Onward. Yes. Onward. I felt like Onward had some really some thematic material, if you will. (laughs) Um, So I felt like this one, there was some serious stuff, but I felt for the most part, it was kind of like light fare, which is good. I do think that's good for kids. And I especially think in 2020 and 2021, that was probably a good idea.
0: Also, it has a kind of interesting mix of humans versus like sea creatures, um, which I think keeps the kids engaged, which I think is, mm-hmm. is good. Whenever we do an animated movie, I try to think of it as like through the eyes of a, of a kid if they would enjoy it. And I think if they had just kept it with regular people, I think that still would have been enjoyable. But I think adding some of that, like, I don't know, not mythical elements, but you know, some of that type of stuff into the movie that's a little more fun and a little more... Uh, out of the box, I think keeps kids invested in it more.
1: Yeah. And I also like to, you and I talk a lot about incorporating different races and ethnicities and stuff and how important that is. But it's also neat that they still incorporated like different elements. It was just like wildlife or nature versus human beings. Um, So I thought that was cute. And then also, it was so interesting to me, Jared, because I don't even know if I read the synopsis before I watched it. I just started watching it. I knew there was a cute kid named Luca and what he looked like, but that was it, just because that was like on the title page. Um, I will say, Jared, I was... So everyone, before we start watching this movie, Jared was like, hey, it's basically call me by your name. (laughs) I said, Pixar made a movie about (laughs) gay lovers. And I... I feel like that needs to be the soundbite for this episode. (laughs) Anyway, I really did think that don't take that out. I thought it was about I was like, wow, Pixar, that's woke. Like, wow, you are pushing the envelope there. Um, Then then I started watching it. I was like, no, the only thing that's like, call me by your name is this is in Italy. And there's two boys. (laughs) (laughs) that's about it so anyway that was funny but Jared because you said that the whole time I was like oh my gosh when are they gonna like fall in love
0: (laughs) they don't fall in love they just have a really great friendship and then at the end like you know they buy a Vespa And then Alberto sells it so so that Luca can go home to his family. So, So yeah.
1: Okay, speaking of Vespas, one of my favorite things about this was where it was located. It was like this cute seaside Italian town. It wasn't like Rome or something big that you hear about all the time. It was like this seaside town. And I thought that was neat, too. We never really see movies with stuff like that. That'd be like going to France and not focusing on Paris, but focusing on the Riviera or something or Nice.
0: Yeah. Yep. That is cool, and I think too um, that it really is. It's. I mean, all Pixar movies are very well animated, but this one in particular, I think, looked really good. I was watching it on my crappy TV, and the and it like popped. Basically, I mean, the colors are very bright and vibrant. Yes. The water looks really good and really realistic. Um. And so I think it just in terms of like how it looks on the screen I think this is this is probably one of their better movies in that sense because they had a lot of things that they had to animate like the water like the nature things like that yeah. um, but it does well, look really good
1: and I was so impressed too the scenes where they're jumping out of the water they're swimming and the boys are like jumping out of the water so they're human and then they go under the water and they're fish or sea monsters or whatever you want to call them so I thought I was also impressed with the animation
0: uh, another like is that the dad character is basically telling the kids to, you know, accept everybody and be accepting of all different types of people and was saying, you know, hey, it's cool that they're sea monsters, like that's perfectly fine. And that was a cool part of this movie.
1: Yeah, I liked that. And for the record, if people are wondering, the dad we're referring to is Julia's dad. And it was neat because he clearly, he developed a liking for the two boys that would come visit his house and would like stay outside in the treehouse and would eat his pasta and stuff. And I remember there was one scene where he was really worried about Alberto. He was like, where's Alberto? And he... That was cute. And then he starts to get more vulnerable with them because he tells them why he doesn't have... He's missing an arm, and he explains that. And then at the very end, the town, they want to, like, come after them because they find out they're sea monsters. And he's like, no, like, we can all live together in harmony. And I was like, what a really beautiful message. And it's also nice seeing it come from, like, a dad figure. Um, Not at all... I mean, we clearly, like... (laughs) kind of white savior it up with a lot of white men as well but also it is nice to see dad playing that kind of that sweet comforting role of like let's accept everybody rather than just saying the mom should do it
0: yeah that was really nice to see so and I liked the triathlon too, how the three legs yeah. were uh, swimming, pasta, eating, and biking. I just thought that was a funny take on a triathlon. <laughs> so cute. Like instead of Man, running, there's this pasta eating.
1: <laughs> sign me up. Do you know what would be the best though? If I could, I know this is the opposite because carbs, well, they don't last very long, but it would be amazing. I would sign up for that if I could do the swimming and the bike riding first and then the pasta last and then just take a nap.
0: Yeah, that would be great. I'm, you know, I get why they put it in the middle. It makes it difficult to eat it's, the pasta yeah. and then do another leg of the race. So, Yeah. Another like for me is that I thought that Luca's parents were funny in the movie, like throughout the yes. whole movie they're kind of on the hunt for him trying to figure out where he went and where he is and they're just cracking one-liners a lot, which is just, I mean, it's really well written there. And obviously like you have some comedians in those roles as Luca's parents. So it's yeah. to be expected, but they add some comedic relief to the movie, which is nice.
1: Maya Rudolph, she can do no wrong for me. I just love her. <laughs> and then I especially liked Uncle Ugo. We don't see him very much. That's who Sasha Baron Cohen plays. He's basically conversing with him in one scene where his heart is stopping which that's not funny but he's a fish and you can see his heart he's like transparent that was funny and then grandma pagura was funny she she apparently had gone up to the mainland like does that often and so she was encouraging her grandson to go do that and then the parents would get upset with her and then the cat character cracked me up jared do you remember the cat from when you watched it The cat
0: think so. Yeah. Yep. It was
1: Julia's cat. And it was like this cute gray and white cat. And it was on to the boys because you could tell it knew that they were fish or something because he just wanted to eat them. And he kept attacking Luca's face. He would scratch Luca's face. But it was very funny. And then one time he went in the water and got wet. And then he was just terrified of the water and stayed away from them. But I thought that there was all a lot of good comedy with the characters.
0: Yeah, it was really well done in terms of like everybody's, the character's relationship and all of that stuff. So, yeah. Um, we'll move on to our dislikes now. Um, one of the big dislikes is kind of an open storyline that is left at the end of the movie is Alberto. Uh, You don't know if Alberto ever, like, finds his family again or not or finds a family to live with, basically. Um, He doesn't like living alone, and Uh his parents basically uh, abandoned him in, like, this tower thing, and you never find out once the movie's over, like, if he finds... I mean, he obviously has Luca now, and he has Julia and, um, you know, her dad and stuff, but, like, you never find out if he, like reunites with the family or joins a family or anything like that
1: (laughs) well and i feel like i don't think we have to really warn people about spoilers it's a year old and it's an animated film not that that's not important but yeah he so i i don't know if i missed it but i was paying pretty close attention but i don't fully understand why his parents left him in the first place and then at the end you see it looks like because luca goes off to school and so does julia but it looks like alberto has a job or something like he has something to keep him entertained and fed and now he has some people that can help take care of him but i felt like i felt like it was kind of a disservice to his character at the end because he was an important character and he did do a lot to help luca and julia succeed so i just felt like in the end he kind of got the short end of the stick
0: um another dislike is that this movie is a little unrealistic in terms of the fact that the kids can basically run wild and do whatever they want um I know that's going to be kind of a thing that happens in animated movies or in kids' movies, but it's not the best example to set for kids that are watching the movie because there's obviously in your real life going to be some restrictions and things that you have to adhere to. And this does take place during the summer, so they're not like in school or anything. But still, like there's very little parental supervision as they just roam the streets of this Italian town.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that was a complaint of mine too because Luca... Like, he goes off to go stay at his friend's house, at Alberto's house, and he's up above the water, above sea level, and his parents, it's kind of like if someone went missing and you can, you have to wait 24 hours to report them missing, I feel like his parents waited 50 hours, and then they were like, have you seen our son in like a couple days? And then they went to the police (laughs) because they were very invested in finding him once they got up above sea level. But before then, it's like days went by and I thought, is anyone worried about these kids? So that was weird to me. That seemed unrealistic. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, maybe I just don't understand sea life. Maybe it's just different down there.
0: (laughs) And then another just not really a dislike, but just a question is, you know, is this movie enjoyable for adults. A lot of times yes. Pixar movies will have themes that kids can understand and that adults can pick up on as well. Like Turning Red, their most recent movie has some of that. Soul does. Mm-hmm. Onward does. All of those movies do. This movie is really focused on the kids' relationship. And it's definitely more of a, like we mentioned before, a lighthearted movie, which is one like for the movie. But I don't know. I, I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as some other Pixar movies. And I think it's yeah. just... Be, again, they're not... They're not making the movie for me. They're make they're an animation company, so they're exactly. trying to make movies primarily directed at kids. But they have a lot of movies that have adult, you know, side points or themes in them too. And this one really didn't. They kind of just went all in for the kids, which I think is fine. Um, but I don't know. If it Was me as a you know twenty eight year old man really enjoyed it as much as some of their other movies that they've done.
1: Yes. So I I agree with you. I can't really tell what was missing that made this less appealing maybe or less interesting to adults. I'll tell you something I liked that I didn't really think of until just now. I really appreciated that this wasn't a musical. I feel like a lot of Pixar movies and things lately are like musicals and they have songs that kids like I am not a parent yet. And I could sing Frozen songs to you. And I can sing We Don't Talk About Bruno because every third person in the world is humming, singing, whistling something, tweeting those songs. And they drive me Bonkers. And I don't even have kids. Like, I'm sure the people that do listen to this and have kids are like, you should be on this end. Yeah, I hear you. I feel you. Yeah. But I loved that this one didn't have that. It was really nice to watch a movie where I was like, oh, I'm just like watching a story, not listening to a song and dance musical. And I love those, but there's a time and place for them. So that ended up being a positive for me. But I do agree, there just wasn't the same allure that a lot of other Pixar movies have for adults.
0: And obviously, that time and place for musicals is the 2021 version of West Side Story. I mean, that's where it fits the best. So I no. think that's, the, you cannot debate that at all. That's definitely, no. in terms of musicals, the creme de la creme, the remake of West Side Story. Oh so, my gosh. <laughs> okay, on to our thoughts on Luca. Uh, I think it's your turn to go first so it what's is. your score? I've already <laughs>
1: decided I'm giving this okay. an 87 I looked yeah. at recent scores and I was kind of picking between well I liked it better than this well I liked it less than this um, I think Jared your comment was spot on this is not a movie made for me it's a movie made for kids I did think it was really enjoyable I love that there wasn't music in it like wasn't like musical dance numbers and I gosh I don't even have to repeat myself people know I love song and dance but n- not always Um, I liked the story. I liked that they were open and encouraging to, like, we should accept all people. I liked that there was a mixture of, like, nature. So there was a lot to like about it. I was a little concerned about the kids and the care and concern other people expressed for the children. And I felt like a couple storylines were kind of left hanging. So that was strange to me. But otherwise, really an enjoyable movie.
0: Um, I'm looking at my letterbox from last year, and I have a. I keep a list of all the movies oh, that I watched I need, throughout yes. the year. For the first time, I need time. to
1: update mine.
0: And I have this. I had this ranked at twenty seventh for last year. So okay. I'm gonna out of out of fifty four movies. So kind of right okay. smack dab in the middle. So yeah. I think I'm gonna give this one a seventy five. So Got again, it. enjoyable. Okay. I had obviously there were twenty six movies that I watched last year that were above this one, but. This is definitely not the worst animated movie I've ever seen. Pixar always does a pretty solid job of yeah. films. And I actually had this one ranked higher than Encanto because I, I liked this a little yeah. bit more than Ooh. Encanto. That might be a hot take, but uh, <laughs>
1: Ooh, I'm I like okay this with a little
0: it. more than Encanto. So... Yeah, there we go. That's our thoughts on Luca. And you can follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. Search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook and follow us there. And be sure to subscribe and rate and review wherever you listen to the podcast. That definitely helps us out. Next week, we're doing a movie that will not be appropriate for your children to see. I haven't seen it yet, (laughs) but I don't think it's going to be a kid kid-appropriate right, right. movie, uh, right. and that is The North Man, directed by Robert Eggers. He did The Lighthouse, which I believe we reviewed on this podcast. We if I remember sure correctly. did. So this is his new movie with Alexander Skarsgård, Willem Dafoe, Nicole Kidman all in it uh, about Vikings. So that's interesting. It's not a theme that you see in movies a lot. So I'm intrigued. Yeah, and
1: probably probably not a movie I would just have gone to if we weren't covering it or something. Yeah. yeah, Really interesting. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out. I am positive we covered that movie. Yes, 39. That was way back. That was was a while ago. 39. Speaking of everyone, our 150th episode is coming up soon, and we are very excited.
0: We are. So we're going to let you have a little bit of a say in what you think we should do for our 150th episode. So keep an eye out on social media for that. So, and that'll be next week's episode reviewing The Northman.
1: Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.